mercy. How many of you forgot to bring your lesson back? All right. How many of you need a lesson? Okay. Well, they didn't run out. They're going to go get some more. They passed out all hundred of them. Somebody is lying in the tent tonight. All right. We'll get them out. We'll get them out. They're printing out some more. As uh, uh, soon as they get back, we, we will get them out to everybody. While they're doing that, why don't we do a quick review of what we've covered so far? Uh, uh, last week, we le- well, let's, let's read and then we'll get to that. Let's, that. That way y'all can sit down. How many of y'all all about sitting down? Amen. Amen. Verse 13. Verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation. What does that word mean? Behavior. In other words, we are to, it's, it's one thing to claim to be wise. It's another thing to act like it. And it's one thing to claim to be a Christian, and it's another thing to act like it. And he's saying if you claim to be wise, if you claim to have some wisdom, to have some knowledge, he says let's show it. Let's have some good behavior to go with it. Uh, show a good conversation or behavior, his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Don't boast about it. Don't brag. Lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first, is first, then gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without what? Hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you for an opportunity tonight again to study and to read and to to grow and to learn. And uh, Lord, thank you for all those that are out tonight. Lord, it's a good crowd tonight. It's kind of cool outside, but they're here to to learn. And Lord, I pray they won't leave disappointed. I pray that that your word will not return void. I pray, God, that you'll help us to be different, help us to, to change. Help us to grow and be better. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, you may be seated. Uh, uh, Is that extras? Did they get them in? Well, one ain't going to help us. One is not going to help us. All right, we've got them in. Raise your hand if if you need a lesson. Raise your hand real high, real high. Don't be ashamed. You raised it a while ago. Come on now. Don't be shy. Right here down in the front. All right. All right. Now, now let's, let's, let's review a little bit so we can get caught up. Let's review a little bit so we can get caught up. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you didn't have last week's lesson, if you didn't have that, get your neighbor to fill in that out. I don't want to take up the time to do that so we can get, try to get done with this tonight. Uh, so get with your neighbor to do the first page. They'll have all the notes there and the answers. If you don't have that, I can... I can give that to you later, okay? But here's, here's what we learned from this particular portion of Scripture. James is trying to, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say confront, but he is trying to reach the people in the church there that think they know a lot, that want a high position, uh, that, the one that, that, that needs to be in charge of something, the one that needs to be the head of a committee or something like that. He kind of addresses it in the first verse of chapter 3. If, if we'll go back to that, watch what it says. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In other words, what he's saying is be careful about what high position you want. 
Because with great power comes great responsibility. And not, not just great responsibility, but great accountability. And so now he's going and, and aiming at that particular area and that particular person again. And he said, okay, if you think you're wise, if you think you're wise, you think you have this wisdom, be careful. Be careful. Uh, you need to show it and display it. And then he begins to talk about this. He said there's two kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom from above. That's, that's godly. That's, that's what we know God's influence on our life. And then there's a wisdom from beneath. And then we said there was basically three types there. We not only have wisdom that comes from God, and he said in chapter 1 that we can ask for it liberally. We can ask for it, and he will give us wisdom to make decisions, give us wisdom to know what to do and what not to do and how to do it. But then also, uh, last week we learned that the word wisdom, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna put the word influence there in place of that, all right? So wisdom re- re- means what? Influence. Say that with me. It means, in other words, there's going to be two different kinds of influence on your life. Influence in how to think. Influence in the actions that you take. Uh, We know that God wants to influence our life. It says be led by the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. Uh, We want God to lead our decisions. Amen? That's optimal. That's what what we we desire to have, and that's what we want to see. But... We, we've, learned, we've learned that there is a threefold, threefold battle that we have in verse number, uh, verse number 15. The wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Now, what do we say those three are? First, we fight the flesh. First, we fight the flesh. Well, actually, first, it would be the world. Earthly, we put beside that the world. How many of y'all know the world wants to influence the way you think? If you don't believe it, look at the news of Ben, what's happening this week. They want to influence you and tell you that a certain way is right and a certain way is wrong. Even though we know uh, the Bible clearly states and clearly describes one certain way, they want you to think a certain way. So there's an influence. There's a pressure. There's a pressure to conform to their way of thinking and their their way of behavior. All right, so we fight the world, but not not only earthly, but look what it says, sensual. That's fleshly. That's me. That's me. How many of y'all fight you every day? My worst enemy is looking in the mirror, shaving. Y'all with me? Sometimes we have to fight our attitudes. Sometimes we have to fight our weaknesses. Sometimes we have to fight our fleshly desires that are not right, that are not godly, that are not spiritual, that are not for my best interest. Sometimes we just got to fight ourselves. All right? So... We fight the world. We fight that influence on us. Then we fight our own fleshly desires, that old nature, if you will. We fight ourselves. But then, devilish. We fight the devil. I mean, it's just, he's, Peter said it this way. If anybody knew, if anybody knew something about being distracted or influenced by the devil, it would be the apostle Peter. Peter said it this way. He said, be sober. That means alert. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, what's an adversary? It's an enemy. You have an enemy. Whether you like it or not, you have an enemy. The moment that you got saved, the moment that you volunteered and you signed up for the army of the king, you have an enemy. How many of of y'all have wondered from the time you signed up for heaven, you started fighting hell? 
Because now you're on the opposite side. Now you are an enemy. Now you are a threat. Satan's real. Satan real. Satan has help. Satan has power. All right? Don't, let's, not, let's not think that he's this little weakling being that, that Hollywood makes him out to be. He has power. And he has, he has wisdom. He is very smart. He is very cunning. Listen, he got the wisest man that ever lived, Samson, or excuse me, uh, Solomon. He got the man closest to God's own heart, David. He got the strongest man, Samson. He got the first man that ever lived, Adam. So let's not play around with Satan or any of his friends. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But we know, according to this, that this wisdom or this influence on our life is something we're going to have to deal with. We're going to have to make a decision every day of our life. Every day that we get up, we're going to have to decide, am I going to be influenced by heaven? Am I going to be influenced by the scriptures? Am I going to be influenced by the spirit? Or am I going to be, allow myself, this, this is important, am I going to allow myself to be influenced by the world, by self-flesh, or by Satan? You have a choice. Let me prove it. How many of y'all would be willing to be honest enough in this place uh, to say that there was times you had a choice to make, whether right or wrong? And, and, and you had a great, you had a great uh, uh, persuasion by God to make the right decision. And you didn't. And then after you didn't, he said, mm-hmm. Are y'all with me? So we have a choice. We have a choice to listen to the Holy Spirit. We have a choice to listen to the Holy Spirit when he says, keep our mouth shut. We have a choice. You see, that's an influence that's on us. That's an influence on our life. We have, a, we have a choice when he goes to influence us to love somebody we want to slap. To forgive somebody we want to hold a grudge against. You, you, does this make sense? Now, so, so can we all agree, can we all agree tonight that, that we, have, we have several influences on our life, several, several uh, influences that are competing for our obedience? Is that a good way to put that? Does that make sense? Now, here's how we can... Now, this, this is going to get... This is where we're going to have to get real honest. Real honest. I, and I'm talking, about, I'm talking about to the point... Honesty to the point that your wife don't even know this about you. Or your husband don't know this about you. I'm talking about the real you. You see, according to this chapter, we can see... And it, he begins to describe, he begins to describe how these influences operate in our life. And we can, we can kind of see evidences of whether we're being influenced by the high or the low. Now, here's where we're going to get honest. Be real honest about these evidences. Be real honest about whether we see envy in our life. Whether we see, whether we see ourselves being being pulled to a point that we, we, we have envy towards somebody or something, uh, whether we have jealousy or, or we'll go through these. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, what do we do? What do we do? If we find these evidences of false wisdom, this is on page number three. We're in the contrast of operations. The contrast, he's contrasting. Actually, all three main points are different contrasts. 
One is contrast of origin, where it comes from. That's what we talked about, either from above, that's from God, from uh, the the Holy Spirit, from the Scriptures, or from beneath, the, the world, the flesh, or the devil, all right? That's the contrast of origins. But now, let's look at the contrast in operations. What are some evidences of false wisdom? Last week and the week before, we covered envy. Envy. It means selfish ambition and zeal. Uh, we really said we, ne- we, need to, we need to check our motives. We need to check our motives constantly. Because sometimes we think we're doing a good deed for somebody else when really we're doing it for recognition. Or we're doing it for what we can get in, in, in reciprocation from that person. That's why Jesus said when you have a party, go invite somebody who can't invite you to their party. When you have a dinner, do something for somebody who can't do it for you. Now, why would he say that? Why would, obviously, Jesus cares about the poor. Jesus cares about people who can't take care of themselves. But one of the most important things is, I think Jesus wanted us to keep our motives in check. Why do we do what we do? Why do we serve like we serve or where we serve? Is our motives right? Are we doing it because we want to please God or we want to please our neighbor? Why do we do what we do? All right, is there selfish ambition? Is there envy? And we get that from verse number 14. Watch what he says. If we're being influenced by below, if we are being influenced by the world, the flesh, or Satan, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be bitter envying and strife in your heart. So envy is here. Selfish ambition. Uh, A a, a desire to promote ourselves. A desire to... And usually, you know... There's, no, there's nothing wrong with succeeding. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a success. Nobody gets up in the morning and says, Boy, I, sure, I just, man, I, I, man I'm a, I, boy, I hope I can fail today. Nobody does that, do they? Everybody wants to be a success. And that's not an issue. That's not a problem. The point that I believe Jesus is, is, is really kind of helping us understand is when your success is at the cost of somebody else. When you try to promote yourself by putting somebody else down. Does that make sense? Listen, let's be careful. Let's be careful. And a lot of times that type of envy and that type of behavior comes from bitterness. It comes from somebody who's wounded you and you hurt and you want to make a difference. It's easy to go on an ego trip under the guise of spiritual zeal because you can look at any of the Pharisees. They all look religious. They all looked and sounded real spiritual. They could say the right things, but their motives were completely wrong. They were doing it to be seen of men. They wanted the positions they held to be seen of men. They wanted people to brag on them. If you live for other people's praise, you're a slave to their opinions. Does that make sense? Let me tell you what. The most liberating day in your life is when you decide, I don't have to worry about pleasing man. All I got to do is make God smile. And if he smiles, it don't matter who's frowning. A great day in your life. I'm telling you. When you anyway, anyway, let's move along. I'll, I'll get hung up. We'll never finish. Number two. Number two. He said not only envy in verse number 14, but look at 14b. He said envying and strife. Say that with me. Envying and Stripe. Now, what is the word strife? It means a party spirit. It means we're, we're splitting up into groups. It was used by the Greeks to describe a politician out canvassing for votes. The world's wisdom says get all the support you can. Ask the people in church if they are on you or, or for you or against you. 
Of course, the spirit of self-seeking only creates rivalry and division in the church. The Bible says in Philippians 2, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Now, what are we talking about? If you've ever, if you've ever grown up in a small church or you've ever been affiliated with a smaller church or several smaller churches, you've experienced this. You've experienced people who couldn't get along because uh, one of them said, are you on our side or are you on their side? You see, you see, that kind of behavior and that kind of spirit didn't start in the 60s uh, in, in the American church. That kind of spirit has been in the church from the day the church was founded. And James is dealing with it right here. He even goes into, into further when we get to chapter number 4 when he starts talking about wars and fightings among you. Now, he's not, he's, not talking about, he's not talking about, you know, dropping bombs. He's talking about fighting in the church. He's talking about scraps in the church and, and, and squabbling and that type of thing. And, and, and what happens is, what happens is when, when, when people have to have their way, when, when, when you as the individual becomes more important than the whole, we have a problem. That's what he's saying. There's strife. There's strife. There's a party spirit. There's that whispering going around. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, how many of y'all remember David's son named Absalom? Absalom. What would he do? David was the king. David was his father. He was the one in charge. He was the one in authority. Well, well Absalom was, well, he's a handsome guy, and he was well-spoken. He would sit at the gate as all the people came in, and anybody that had a problem that David didn't seem to have enough time to take care of and help, he'd say, well, what can I do for you? Then he would say, if I was king, this is what I would do. So what is he doing? He's dividing people. He's creating a party spirit. Be careful of those people that tell you, well, I know the preacher did this, but boy, if it, this, I, this is what I've done. I, I, know, I know the staff decided to go this direction, but I tell you what, this is what I... Be careful of that. Not saying, not saying that all of that's wrong. Not saying that nobody uh, else besides the staff or whatever has a good idea. That's, that's, that's completely opposite because I trust me, if we can find a good idea, we'll use a good idea. And we ain't afraid to change. If it don't work, we'll shoot the horse, bury it, and we'll saddle another one. Say amen. If you've been here long, you know that well enough. But be careful of the one that's always behind the scenes trying to gather up trying to gather up people for their opinion because that's, that's, that's creating strife. And you know what? We've, we've had all this talk about abominations this week. What about the abomination of sowing discord among the brethren? Hadn't had a whole lot of, hadn't had a whole lot of fighting about that one or a proud look or a lying tongue. He said, be careful if you're trying to if you're trying to drum up support for your side. Because if it is, that's an evidence of you're being influenced by the wrong deal. Now, we're talking about church here. What about in the home? What about in the home? How often in the home with spouses or, 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 or with family members? We try, to, we, try to, we try to drum up support for our side. Try to get the kids to, 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 to agree with you more than your spouse or one way or the other. Same principle. This principle works in the same thing. Uh, when, when, when there's, and we're, we're going to go into even more detail in the next few words, but, but we really need to be careful with that. 
always remember this. Always remember this. And this is kind of more toward the marriage, but it can work with any relationship. Never let the argument become more important or winning the argument become more important than relationship itself. Never. And that's a hard lesson for me to learn. When I was young and stupid and, and, and immature and impatient, I, 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 man, I won the battle, but I was on the couch. And I, I, I got to learn when I got a little older, this is not a win. Y'all with me? So I, I, read a, I read a little quote this week. It says, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just explaining to you why I'm right. Can anybody relate? Come on, come on. All right, all right. Strive, strive. Be careful. Be careful with, with, with always seeking to divide, always seeking to try, to try to get people on your side. By the way, we're all on the same side. We are. We, we may have differences of opinion, and we're going to have that. I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know how many people in this room, but I guarantee you there's that many different opinions about stuff in here. But we can all get along, and we can all move forward. We can all do it. Amen? What does he say? If, we have, if, we have, if we're being influenced by the world, the flesh, or the devil, there's going to be envy, there's going to be strife, but then there's going to be, number three, there's going to be boasting. Look what it says. Look what it says in uh, look what it says in verse number uh, 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 help me help me help me uh, verse fourteen. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not. That means don't boast, don't brag, don't brag. I, I read I read a story about these three little fellas on the playground, <clears throat> and one of them said one of them said, "Let me tell you something. My dad scribbles a few words on a piece of paper and calls it a poem, and they gave him a hundred bucks." The other fellow said, I ain't nothing. He said, my dad, he scribbled a few th uh, words on a piece of paper and called it a song, and they gave him $1,000. Third one, he said, I got all y'all beat. He said, my dad, he scribbles a few words on a piece of paper and calls it a sermon. It takes six men to carry all the money. <laughs> Some of y'all won't get that till tonight, all right? Ushers, all right, ushers, carry, you know. Lord, this crowd, help me, Jesus. <laughs> uh, this so this old boy, sorry about this, sorry about this, Phillips family. Uh, this old boy from Texas, he came to Alabama, and he was always bragging about Texas and how everything's bigger in Texas. This old boy was carrying him across this this ranch, and and uh, and uh, he uh, he saw he saw a, a cow out there, and. He said, I tell you what, out in Texas, them cows are a whole lot bigger. He kept on driving, and he, and, and, and he come across an armadillo. And he said, I tell you what, out in Texas, man, we got them a whole lot bigger than that. And, uh, and, 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 and this, this guy from Alabama, he's redneck. He's about done took all he could stand. He's about just aggravated his boasting and, and braggadocious. And he comes across, and there's a, there's a snapping turtle crossing the road. Well, that guy from Texas had never seen a snapping turtle day in his life. He said, what in tarnation is that? He said, that's a wood tick. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Dorgan will never speak to me again. Amen. <laughs> be careful, be careful of, of having to boast. 
Be careful of having to do that. One, one, a, a great philosophy to have or a great, uh, uh, I don't know, motto to have is let let's other people do the boasting for you. Uh, let's look at this. Pride, pride loves to boast. Pride loves to boast. Nothing is prouder than the wisdom of men. There is a way to report blessings so that God gets the glory. But there is also an approach that gives men the praise. This is, this is really important. I, sometimes I don't think we can, we can discern the difference here. When God's wisdom is at work, there is a sense of humility and submission. And you want God to get all the glory. You have no desire to compare yourself with any other Christian because you see only Christ and compared with him, all of us still have a long way to go. You can, you can use the guy, the Pharisee in the, in the temple when he was saying, I'm glad I'm not this and I'm not that and I'm not this and I haven't done this and I haven't done and I'm not like this, this publican over here. But then the publican smote his chest and said, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. Lord, help. See, there's a, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And sometimes, sometimes even in, and he's really using this in a, in a spiritual sense because in, in the church, be careful with your, your praises and your testimonies that you're not bragging more about you and not about the one who saved you. Pride will cause us to do that. Pride, pride will cause us to... And, and, and think about... Well, anyway. Let's, let's, let's. No, I'm going to say it. A lot of times, be careful... Now, now, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Nobody likes, nobody likes a bragger. Nobody likes that any time you tell a story, they always got one bigger. You know, you rode a horse 50 miles an hour, and they had 178. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody likes that. But I'm going I'm to play the devil's advocate here for just a little bit. Be careful in getting irritated at that person because that's not it doesn't take me a whole lot not to get irritated at that type of situation. It doesn't. Because that is frustrating. And it, and but here's here's one thing. Let's 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 play Jesus in that. Remember, most of the time when people have to brag and boast, they're insecure. There's there's in, there's insecurity there for some reason or another. They are needing that and they're feeding off of that because somewhere along the line They've been wounded. They've been hurt. Something has happened where they feel insecure about who they are and they don't recognize who they are in Jesus. Now, if you start seeing some of these symptoms in you, here's what I want to tell you. You're somebody. You don't have to brag about being somebody. You don't have to prove that you're somebody. You don't have to, listen, no matter what your kid or your education or what you've done or what you've been through, you don't have to do all that because Jesus loves you just like you are. And, and a lot of times, people that go through this situation, they have been neglected growing up. They, they were not uh, fulfilled growing up. They didn't receive the love they should have had from a father, from a mother. And, and so now they're trying to make up for lost time, if you will. But you don't have to worry about that. No matter if you had a pitiful earthly father, you have a heavenly father that loves you beyond your imagination. He loves you not for what you can do for him, not for what you are. He loves you just because that's who he is, and he loves you. Amen? So, whatever. I, I, that's really not part of the lesson, but I think, I think we need to get that because sometimes we just want to slap that boaster. Say amen. 
How many y'all? How many y'all will do this? How many y'all will do this next time that you you hear that person doing that? That's got to do that. And you, the moment that you feel irritated, here's what here's what I want you to do. I want you to think, God help them. God, I don't know what they're insecure about, and I don't know what they're they're missing in their life. But whatever it is, Lord, please fulfill that so they don't go through their whole life trying to prove they're something that they're not. Can we do that? Because see, if we do that, we'll be the better people. Amen. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, Four. Four. We're still in verse 14. If we're being influenced by the wrong uh, things in our life, there'll be, there'll be envy, there'll be strife, there'll be boasting. But then it says, lie not against the truth. There'll be deceit. There'll be deceit. You see, when we, when we try to boast about something that we're not, then we've got to start lying. And always remember this. If you're going to be a liar, you better have a good memory. Y'all with me? But we don't, we don't have to do that. We don't have to do that. Aren't you, aren't you glad? Why, why do we lie? Why do we lie? Fear. When, 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 when did you tell your first lie? And why did you tell your first lie? Think about this. Let's go all the way back to when we were a baby. So I say, I can't go back to Thursday. I mean, you know, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Uh, Jordan, I told you, I've told this story a hundred times. When she's a little old bitty baby, uh, she couldn't even, she couldn't even, she couldn't even really, she couldn't even really say words yet. It was uh-huh or uh-uh, whatever age that was. That's where she was. And, and, and she was playing there. I had a tag on the front of my truck, and she was messing with it, and it was flashing, and it broke. I mean, I'm standing there looking at her right there. And she turns around and looks at me and held the piece in her hand. And I said, Jordan, did you break that? She's a huh-uh. <laughs> I never sent her to line school, y'all. I never did. That just proves sin nature right there. Here, here's, here's the deal. Why did she tell a lie? Fear. Fear. Fear of, so I'm going to say this to get out of whatever consequence is coming for whatever I did. And many times we lie out of fear. We lie, it also goes back to the insecurity thing, but watch this. God loved you before you made the mistake. God loved you and saved you even though he knew you was going to make mistakes. Brother Jonathan McNeese, uh, <laughs> unbelievable preacher, he said something one time that I'll never forget because, see, me and him had kind of like the same life because I grew up a preacher's kid, he grew up a preacher's kid, we came from kind of the same, same ilk, if you will, or whatever you want to call it, same, same uh, uh, movement, following, whatever, and uh, very conservative, very whatever. And, uh, and, and, and so we grew up almost exactly the same way. I mean, I've, I've been in church my whole life. Nine months before I arrived on this planet, I was in church. I mean, we've been in church, and I probably count on my hands and toes how many times I've missed church. It, it's just, and this is what he said. When he was preaching... And he was talking about forgiveness and the grace of God. He had tears dripping off his face, and this is what he said. He said, the most wicked things I ever did in my life was after salvation. Because I was saved at a young age. Now, now don't, 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 don't take this the wrong way. Because he wasn't whore-hopping, he wasn't drinking and carrying on, raping and pillaging, he wasn't doing all that. But in his life, the things he did, because he, he grew up in church his whole life, he's always known about God. The, and the point he was trying to make 
God knew you would make the mistakes you made even after you were saved, and he saved you anyway. Does everybody understand what I'm trying to say here? And I'm not, I'm not, trying, to, I'm not trying to make an excuse for people who, 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 who say they were saved at five and they've gone out and killed seven people and done all kind of different stuff. So what I was saved, I, I'm not saying that because that's hard, I, I have a hard time justifying that. But I am saying this, that we will make mistakes after salvation and God knew you was going to make it and God loved you anyway. And, and we don't have to prove anything to anybody. All, all our life, we're supposed to please Him. So let's not lie. Let's not try to deceive. And you say, well, preacher, I don't, I don't tell. And when we say lie, we're thinking, okay, uh, like, a, like a, just an outline. When you try to pull off something that you know you're not, when you try to put the impression on somebody else that you are something that you're not, that's lying. That's deceiving. That's what he's talking about right here. Let's don't do that. Let's don't do that. Lie not against the truth. Now watch how this sequence works in this verse. The sequence is not difficult to understand. First, there's a selfish ambition. I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to like me. I want to be important. I want to be special. Then it leads to a party spirit. We start politicking. We start trying to get people on our side and our opinion, and when it creates rivalry. In order to win the election, we must resort to boasting. And then boasting usually involves lying. How about, how about uh, one of the politicians that's running right now? I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it. I ain't going to say what, what party or nothing, but, but they're running right now. She's talking about flying. Oh, I said she, didn't I? <laughs> I did not mean to do it that way. But it, it showed, it showed uh, in whatever your persuasion is, that I promise you, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just trying to prove a point. Uh, Brian Williams got caught for lying too, you know. But flying, we flew into Bosnia under sniper fire, and we had to run for our life after we got off a plane. And then it showed the video of them coming off the plane in Bosnia with little girls with flowers in their hands. Now, what's happening? Running for office, trying to win something, trying to get everybody's vote. So what did it, what, what did it result, resort to? Boasting and lying. Boasting. I'm boasting because I want you to think I'm somebody because I, I dodged sniper fire. So in order to boast, then I had to lie because the truth wasn't as extravagant as what the boast was. Now, before you look too far down on that person, how often do we do that in life? We're not immune to this. He's talking to Christians here. We do this. And, and so... You remember when I said before we started this study, we're going to, have to be real honest tonight? Let's do that. Amen? All right. All right. Now, now, those are evidence of false wisdom, false influence, wrong influence. There's envy, there's strife, there's boasting, there's deceit. But now let's look what will be in our life if we're following the Spirit, if we're following the Lord. Look what he says in, in verse number 16. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. And I hope I get to that point tonight. That's the last point. Uh, uh, we might get to it. Uh, but the wisdom, now watch how it describes it. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Look in verse 13. 
Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with, what's that word? Meekness. Write that down. What will we find in our life when we're following the right influence? We'll find meekness. We'll find meekness. What is meekness? Meekness is not weakness. It's not weakness. It's power under control. Right? Underline that. Underline that in your notes. Meekness is not weakness. It's power under control. The meek person does not selfishly assert himself. The Greek word was used for a horse that has been broken so that his power was under control. The meek person seeks only the glory of God and does not cater to the praises of men. Meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, what do I mean by that? It cannot be manufactured. In other words, God's got to do it. You can't wake up in the morning and say, I think I'm going to be meek today. It, it, you can't. You see, a, 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 a factory, a manufacturing factory, they produce a product. But it takes life to produce fruit. And meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. And fruit only comes from relationship. And fruit only comes from an intimate relationship. What does that mean? You're going to have to spend some time with Christ through the Holy Spirit and prayer and the Scriptures to have meekness uh, a horse a horse is powerful it's strong when that when I, I used to love watch westerns and 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 as a matter of fact bonanza and uh and I, I'd love to watch when little Joe and, and Hoss would get out there and break a horse usually it's little Joe you know He'd get out there, and his horse is going crazy and just going wide open. And, and if that, 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 that cowboy, little Joe, did something he didn't like, he had to show his power and his ability and all, and, and, and until the point he was broke. And he still had the power. He still had the strength, but it was under control. Now, what, what am I saying? I'm saying this. Do you get out of control? Do you get to a point that, that, that people can make you angry? I, I was talking with somebody today. And, and, and they said, preacher, I'm working on it. I know I'm not supposed to retaliate. I know, but they just made me so mad. And I said, guess what? It's not always about you having to put up with stupid people. Sometimes it's God using them ignorant people to hone on you. And they are just a tool in the hand of the Lord to show you where you're really at spiritually. Got real quiet on the phone. So how do you know all that? By experience. There's times in my life when I, I really think I'm making headway in a certain area of my life and then something happens and I... And then I, you know, I want to get angry at the person and then I realize, you know what? This is, this is just God showing me where I'm really at. Where my, my patience level is really at because it's not where I thought it was. I thought I was better than this. And it's not... And some, some of us think that God tests us so he can see where we're at. He knows where we're at. God knows where we're at. It's not so he can see where we're at. It's so we can see where we're at and we can make some adjustment. Y'all with me? Watch, watch, watch this. Uh, the meek person seeks only the glory of God and does not cater to the praises of men. Meekness is the fruit of the Spirit 
It cannot be manufactured by man. This is a false humility that some people mistake for meekness, but it's only counterfeit. The phrase meekness of wisdom is an interesting one. Meekness, now underline these two sentences right here. Meekness is the right use of power. Say that with me. Say it again. And wisdom is the right use of... Y'all see, see how they go together? How many of y'all have seen somebody that got a, a, a promotion at work and they really wasn't ready for it? I, I was thinking about this one time. Actually, I was thinking about when I was going over this. I, was, I worked uh, uh, at a golf course uh, when I was in high school. I wanted to learn how to play golf. I, I, I started playing golf when I was a junior in high school, and I liked it so good. I went and got a job there so I could play for free. And uh, always thinking, always thinking. And, and so went up, kind of worked my way up through the deal, and, 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 uh, and I, got, I got a kind of like a, a, a foreman's position. But I was, so, I was young, 16, arrogant. I was not ready for that position. And, and what happened is, what happened is, is I didn't use power correctly. Does this make sense? And, and meekness is simply the ability to use power correctly. I was, I was reading a story about, about the war, and I, I'm, if I remember right, it was one of the generals. I couldn't remember which general. might have been General Patton, or, or, or I, I can't remember one, but it was, it was one way high in the rank. And it was a time, it was a time that uh, uh, there, there, there was a blackout. You know, there's afraid of snipers and bombings and all that kind of stuff. So there could be no light, no, no anything. Well, uh, one of the one of the higher ranking officers walked outside. I'm pretty sure it was a general, if I remember the story right. And he lit up a cigar, made this, you know, big. And and one of the the privates that was on watch, he he, you know, cursed a little bit and told him, put that light out. Didn't realize who it was. It was dark. And 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 when he walked over there to him, and he saw who it was. It scared him to death. And this is what he said. This is what he said. He said, son, you better be glad I'm not a lieutenant. Now, what was the point? What was the point? He was secure in who he was. He had a right use of power. He was meek. He had the power to do anything he wanted, but it was under control. Now, the Bible says when we're operating in the Spirit and we're following the Lord, we're going to be meek. What, what does that tell us? I think it tells us this. We're not always going to have to win the argument. I had, I had somebody tell me this a long time ago, and it sure makes a whole lot of sense. If you see two people arguing, neither one of them know what they're talking about. You know why? Because if just one knows what he's talking about, he's not going to argue. I thought, I don't like that. <laughs> Amen? Because I like to argue. Uh, all right. Okay. Meekness is the right use of... Come on, y'all. Meekness is the right use of... How many of y'all would like that in your life? Me too. And wisdom is the right use of knowledge. They go together. They go together. The truly wise person will show in his daily life conversation, which means behavior. We've we declared that already. He will show in his daily life that he is a child of God. Attitude and action go together. Now, before you flip your paper, underline that. Attitude 
and action go together. Attitude and action go together. All right, what else will we find in our life? If we are being influenced by the Scriptures and the, and the Savior and the Spirit, we'll not only find meekness, but verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first, what's that word? Pure. We'll find purity in our life. Purity of thought, purity of behavior, purity of action. First pure indicates the importance of holiness. You realize the Bible says without holiness, we should not see the Lord. God is holy. Therefore, the wisdom from above is pure. The idea behind the word is chaste, free from defilement. James used it in, again in James 4, 8. Purify your hearts or make chaste your hearts. God's wisdom leads to purity of life. Man's wisdom may lead to sin. There is a spiritual purity that results in a chaste relationship with the Lord. And there is a worldliness that makes the person a spiritual adulterer. Now, let me explain that a minute. You remember what I said a couple weeks ago, how I can know kind of where I'm at with the Lord? I kind of gauge where I'm at with the Lord by what bothers me. You say, what does that mean? I, I kind of I gauge where I'm at in my relationship with the Lord by what bothers me. What does that mean? The closer you get to God, the darker the dark feels. The further away from God you are, the less ungodly stuff will bother you. It won't bother you to go watch a movie with a bazillion cuss words and nudity and ungodly stuff in it. It won't bother you a bit. But the closer you get to God, the closer you get to God, it, stuff bothers you. And it convicts you. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be a holier than thou anything. I'm just telling you the God's truth. When you get in the presence of God, it changes things. It changes things. Because what He is rubs off on you you remember when you remember when moses was on the mountain in the glory of god writing the ten commandments and doing all that stuff what happened when he come down off that mountain what happened to his face he was glowing the glory of god was all over him what happened god rubbed off on him first john first john chapter one if God is light. Say it with me. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we walk with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we, uh, if we walk with Him in the light, if we fellowship with Him in the light, if we spend time with Him in the light, y'all with me? What is light? It's the absence of darkness. That's what it is. And when we spend time with Him, it makes a change. It causes us to think different. And when we start thinking different, it causes us to act different. Uh, wh why am I saying all this? Some of us, some of us struggle so hard to quit doing wrong. Y'all remember little Johnny in the pantry? Mama walked by the pantry and the cookie jar was shaking in the pantry. And she said, Johnny! And she heard a voice from the pantry saying, Yeah, Mama. Say, where are you at? I'm in the pantry. What are you doing? He said, I'm fighting temptation." And you know what? That's what a lot of us are doing. We're trying so hard not to do wrong. How are we doing with that? 
when, when God says, just hang out with me a while. Just fellowship with me. Spend some time with me, and I'll rub off on you. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching right now. And I hope you're hearing this. Because this is not in the notes. This is not in anything. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. Because we struggle so much. We fight and we fight and we fight and we fight and we want to do right so bad and we fail miserably and we mess up and we make mistakes and then we start hating ourselves all over again. And then we want, and, and God's saying, listen, quit that fighting and just hang out with me. Moses wasn't the one making a golden calf. Moses wasn't the one getting naked and dancing around. Moses wasn't the one creating immorality. Why? He's hanging out with God. And when he was hanging out with God, God rubbed off on him. How many of y'all, like your preacher, I'm going to raise both my hands. How many of y'all need God to rub off on you? Amen. You see, purity comes. Purity is an evidence. It is not an evidence of you trying harder. Purity is an evidence that you've been hanging out with somebody. <laughs> because your righteousness and good deeds are in, in God's eyes as filthy rags. I'm righteous because he's righteous. I have his righteousness on me imputed by God. Say amen. Now let's look, let's look, let's look. What else will be in our life? What else will be in our life? What else will be an evidence of following the right wisdom and influence in our life? The wisdom that is from above is first, first pure, help me, first, then peaceable, peaceable. Man's wisdom leads to competition, rivalry, war. James 4, when we get to James 4, 1, we'll see that, fighting, squabbling. But God's wisdom leads to peace. What, what is Jesus called? The prince of peace the prince of peace how do we know when we're hanging out with him are we at peace oh boy god's wisdom leads to peace god's influence leads to peace it is a peace based on holiness not compromise it's important god never has peace at any price in other words we can't just say Let's just all get along. Everybody do their own thing. Everybody do what you want to do. Let's not argue. Let's not fight. Let's just love everybody. No, no. If we compromise for the sake of peace, we're wrong. Jesus never did that. He never did that. Uh, God never has peace at any price. The peace of the church is not more important than the purity of the church. Underline that. Now, you may not understand how important that is, but there's coming a quick day you're going to remember this because we're going to be in a fight. And there's going to be a temptation to just, let's just, let's just give in, preacher, and let's not fight. Let's not. No, no, no. No, no. The peace of the church is never more important than the purity of the church. If the church is pure devoted to God, then there will be, watch what Isaiah 32 says, and the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. Now let me say this, let me say this. Just because you're right with God doesn't mean you won't find storms. 
Because don't, don't misinterpret what this verse is saying. Don't, don't think that because you're right with God, you're never going to have any problems. That's not, that's not what peace is. I, 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 I read a story. I read a story of there was a contest that was held. To somebody, they wanted them to, to, to make a portrait, make a painting, a drawing of peace. I want you to, what your mind, what you would imagine peace to be. And there were so many entrants that came in. Uh, some had meadows with flowers all over. Some had a gentle, you know, a breeze uh, with fleas blowing in the wind and, and, and a little snowy forest and all this kind of stuff. Well, the winner, the winner was a picture and a painting of this huge storm. I mean, lightning flashing and crashing and doing all this kind of stuff. And the sea was below the cliff there, and it was rocking and rolling, and, and a ship on the, on the sea just going after it and, and, and just blowing a gale. And, and people said, what in the world? How is that peace? Well, if you look real close at the portrait, in the cleft of the rock, in the midst of the cliff, there was a bird nest in there. And there was a little swallow inside the cleft of the rock that was that perfect in the midst of the... Somebody say amen. amen. Now, that's a story. And that, that's a perfect illustration of what I'm trying to say. But I, I'll give you a living illustration. Me and my buddy, we was out fishing. And, and it, was a, uh, it was called the, the uh, Brickyard, Brickyard Ponds in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, there was a bunch of ponds, lakes that were dug out and made at a brickyard where they made brick, red bricks and stuff, and you have to pay a little bit uh, uh, to go fish out there. And we had paid. We was in this little jamba, and we're out there, and it's, and it's like a rock quarry, and there's uh, big rocks that come up out of the water everywhere. And, and uh, man, this storm come up, and we was catching fish. Number one, we was catching fish. Number two, we paid to go. Say amen. Uh, so we wasn't wanting to quit early. How many of y'all fishermen know what I'm talking about? When you catch your fish, you don't want to quit. And, and so here, and I said, just, just one more. Just one more. Let's just get one. And here, it's, I mean, it's coming. It's coming. And, 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 and then uh, something that I'd learned from my aunt. Uh, my aunt is a commercial fisherman on Okeechobee Lake. It's where I grew up, down in that area. And, uh, and, and my aunt and uncle, they, they are commercial trot liners for catfishers. And, and, and we'd go there and spend weeks at a time during the summertime. Great, some of the greatest days of my life. I loved it. Uh, Aunt Jan would take us fishing, and we'd be out there, and it'd be that way. We'd be catching fish, and, and, and she'd see the storm coming, and she, taught, she taught us this when we were little bitty kids. If the cold air hits you, it's too late to run. So, if you didn't learn anything tonight, you learned that if you're out on the lake and the cold air hits you, you might as well keep fishing because you're fixing to be wet. Say amen. Well, here we are out in the middle of this, this lake and there's rocks there. And, man, it, the, the cold air hit us and here the storm comes. Man, it started blowing in the rain. And all week, we couldn't make it, we couldn't make it to the shore. So we got, we got as close to this big old rock as we could, got the boat right up against it. And you know what we found out? The we're still in the storm. But the closer to the rock we got, the less effect of the storm we felt. Now, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. The more we hang out with Jesus, that's, that, that doesn't mean we're going to be without storms. It doesn't mean we're going to be without a fight. It doesn't mean that we're going to be without turmoil. It doesn't mean we're going to be without tragedies. It doesn't mean we're going to be without difficulties. It just simply means that in the midst of our storm, we can have peace in our heart. When the Prince of Peace, you're walking with him, it doesn't matter what storm you're going through. It doesn't matter what difficulty you're facing. You can make it. 
you can make it. Amen? When you, whoo, say amen. I feel a little preach right now. Amen. But we, we ain't going to do no more. It's, it's two minutes. Uh, aren't you glad to be saved? Now, how many of y'all want the right influence in your life? When we have the right influence, we're going to have meekness. We're going to have purity. We're going to have purity. Let's hang out with him. Let's do this. If we will work, I'm, I'm telling you this. I'm, look at me. Look at me. Quit, 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 quit putting stuff up. Look at me. Focus, people. Focus. Amen. If we will work as hard at spending time with him as we do not trying to mess up, it will totally transform our Christian life. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. And I'm not saying I'm good at it. And I'm not saying I've even really, really perfected that by no means whatsoever. But God really wanted me to say that tonight. Because we needed to hear it. Amen? And so, let's, instead of trying hard not to do wrong, let's try hard to hang out with him. Well, what about trying hard to do right? That won't be no problem. It's hard to cuss when you're hanging out with Jesus. Amen? It's hard to, it's hard to have lustful thoughts when you're walking with the, with, with the Prince of Peace and, 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 and the one who, in the throne, in, in heaven, it, they, they have four beasts around the throne crying out, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. I'm talking about the one who, when, 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 when John the Apostle fell into his presence in Revelation chapter number 1, he fell at his feet as dead because of the holiness of God. You won't have no problem with that. So let's hang out with him. Let's spend time with him. Let's, let's be like, let's be like, like Moses. Because I'm telling you, if you hang out with him, other people will know it. You know why? Because people will do some hateful and mean things to you, and you won't respond like the old person. You'll respond with meekness. And, and anyway, isn't the Lord good? All the time. Now listen, guys. Here's what I need you to do. Uh, if, if you're not serving in any area whatsoever, I need you to go through those doors, go through those glass doors, and sign up and help us on Easter. If you don't, Jesus don't love you. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was, that was not meek at all right there. That was, I was influenced by Miss Barry on that one right there. Amen. I was, she's our... Anyway, y'all didn't hear that though. Amen. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. Let's stand. Now, how many of y'all... Now, I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but how many of y'all are going to remember to bring your notes back next week? Now, how many of y'all will help me do this and tell, tell your neighbor at, at, at church Sunday how good a time you're having on Wednesday night to come join you? Amen? Hey, burn Facebook up. Let them know. Let's, let, let's, let's talk it up because if we talk it up, they'll come out and see what we're talking about. Amen?